Welcome to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name's Glenn Fairburn. Uh, my co-host is program with Nathan Lear. We're both directors and private client advisors at Hewison Private Wealth, which is one of Australia's leading independent and financial planning wealth management firms. Um, this week, Nathan and I have a chat about estate planning, not the most exciting topics, but definitely something that needs attention if you want to make sure that your assets are distributed um, in accordance with your wishes. Um, we're using this more as a, as a prompter, obviously questions that we think you should be asking your solicitor when you go and meet with them. Um, and as always, please don't take this as advice. It's all just of a general nature and hopefully things that you can use um, to, as I said, speak to your solicitor about. Um, so on that note, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. So, Glenn, today we're going to talk about estate planning. Uh, now, estate planning um, is, is pretty important when considering a, a financial plan. Um, to get into it today, I think we'd start by just explaining estate planning in hopefully simple terms and go through, uh, I guess, a couple of things that um, what we consider any good financial planning, uh, any good financial plan should include. Um, so in terms of what is estate planning, it's really, it's wealth, wealth succession, I guess, put simply. Um, it's all about helping to protect the wealth that you've built over your, your lifetime and then ensuring that it's distributed according to your wishes upon death. Um, and you know, quite, quite often the, the common terms that will be thrown around is having a will, which we'll go through um, in a little moment, um, and, and power of attorneys. Um, so Glenn, before we kind of break it down a bit deeper, is there anything that you wanted to just mention, uh, at the start? Oh, look, I think it's, it's un unfortunately estate planning is one of those things that people don't like to do. And it, it's probably not overly, um, exciting to, to, to consider the, you know, the implications of death and, and even thinking about death at all. Um, so unfortunately it's one of those things that people tend not to put too or focus too much attention on. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, I suppose we've come across a lot of people that don't even have wills. And, and I suppose it's just important to understand the implications of not having a will and, and the importance of putting in place the right structures and so forth to ensure that, the, you know, as you were saying, Nathan, the assets that you've built up over your life are directed to those that, that you feel are appropriate to receive those assets. Yeah, that, that's right. And I mean, it, it often it really bamboozles me that, uh, you know, we're dealing here with people's life's work, really, like with their, their fortune that they've built up over their over their life. And, and some people don't, I don't know whether they feel the need or think they can do it themselves. Often you hear about people um, using the, the, the do-it-yourself will kits. Um, and it's just dangerous. If you get a couple of things wrong, I mean, it is, it is so important to get it right, um, where people could really jeopardise, yeah, as I mentioned, their life's work and potentially see their, their part of their wealth or some of their wealth going to, um, to people that they don't want it to go to. So yeah, definitely very important. Hopefully, um, you know, throughout this podcast, we can explain some, some simple ways where people can take some action and hopefully get um, all these things set up. Um, so maybe Glenn will start with the will. Um, so the will is probably the most common thing people will think about when we're talking about estate planning. Um, so will is just a, a, a simply a document um, which outlines uh, how you'd like your uh, assets to be distributed uh, upon your death. Um, so maybe before, uh, I'll quickly explain what happens if you die without a will. Um, it's called dying intestate. 
Um, and that th this can be quite dangerous. So if you die intestate, and Glenn, do you want to maybe run through uh, the risk of dying intestate? Yeah, look, it, it does vary from state to state, but I suppose the, the risk of dying in intestate in, in not having a will is that your assets can be distributed you know, which may not be in accordance with your wishes. And for example, in, in Victoria, um, which is where, where we're based, the, the intestacy rules can be quite different to how they are dealt with in, in, other, in other states. But essentially the way that it works is that the first $100,000 is paid to the partner and then a third of the estate. And then if there's children, the children can receive up to two thirds of the estate. So look, that, that may work for some people, but for most people that may not be how you want your estate to be distributed. Now it does vary from state to state. So you'd have to look into what the intestacy rules are across um, the states that you live in. Um, but I, I suppose very simply, it can be very dangerous dying without a will, as I was saying, because the, the greatest risk is that the assets that, that you own upon your death can be paid out to individuals that you may not wish to have them paid out to. Um, so that's, I suppose, just highlighting the importance of having a, not just a will, but a valid will um, and we would always suggest having that drafted by um, a professional and someone who, who specialises in estate planning um, and ultimately just ensures that your assets are paid out to beneficiaries that, that you feel in the best position to receive those assets. Sure. And, and you know, dying intestate with, or without a will, um, as you highlighted before, Glenn, you are, you are I guess, putting a formula is going to decide how your your assets are distributed that you know i guess that is somewhat regulated by by the government but but you know, that could be completely opposite to how you want your your assets to be distributed so yeah definitely very very important to have that will in place and, and, I, and as i was saying but, that in particular in victoria it's actually your your partner so that could be your your spouse your um your life partner um could be significantly disadvantaged under the intestacy rules because as I was saying, the first $100,000 of the estate and a third of the balance of the estate is paid to your partner. Um, but the children, your children are entitled to two thirds of the balance of the estate. So it is in the children's favour. And as I was saying, that, that may not be the best outcome as part, of your, um, as part of your estate plan. And I think a lot of people just don't understand the intestacy rules. Mm. For sure. I mean, look, to be honest, it's probably not something that people think about a lot. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I knew exactly how they worked. So, um, yeah, definitely just highlights the importance once again of having that, that valid will in place. Um, so now you've made, let's say you've, you've made the decision to uh, establish your will. And, and we've said this many times on this podcast, Glenn, but we would encourage, or I would encourage anybody to, to, that's over the age of 18 um, to establish a will and a lot of people think oh but I'm, I'm not married or I haven't bought a home yet or um, you know I, I'm gonna wait till I'm a little bit older um, really you know anybody that's that's over the age of, uh, of 18 or any, you know, an adult um, has assets whether that's you know cash in the bank whether it's superannuation whether it's a car whatever it might be so um, we, we'd encourage anybody uh, any adult to, to create a will um, so you've made the decision, let's say, to to put that will in place. So we'll just go through a couple of the, um, I guess, key considerations when you establish your will. Um, firstly, you need to have a think about who your beneficiaries are. Uh, now, look, often that'll be, you know, in a in a spouse relationship, husband wife, for example, that'll be uh, generally each other. Um, and then if there's you know children, you know, children will come into it. But it can really be anyone you like. It doesn't have to be. 
it doesn't have to be you know, your spouse or your children necessarily in that order. Um, but I, I guess that's usually where it starts. So your beneficiaries, that's a, a key thing that you'd want to um, have a think about. Uh, Glenn, do you want to maybe talk through the executor? Yeah, so I suppose, look, on top of the beneficiaries, probably the, one of the more important people to, to choose is, is the executor. Um, and the, the executor is actually, well, simply just the person responsible for carrying out um, the wishes that you've detailed in your will. So they basically make sure that um, your will has, is, is dealt with um, in, in the appropriate way and, and that the assets are distributed in accordance um, with the will. So they, they have a pretty big responsibility upon your death. So you, you want to make sure that you appoint the right person to, um, to act as the executor. De definitely a, a very important role because, um, I mean, they're not, although they're not making the decisions on where the assets go, I mean, sometimes I think people get confused that the executor might be making decisions on on uh, who, who your assets go to. It's That's definitely not the case, but um, they do have a lot of, uh, I, I guess, an important role in the distribution of those those assets along with your solicitor. Um, so, Glenn, when... Um, yeah, so somebody, as I said before, somebody's made the decision to to put in a will in place, that, that's great. Um, when would you, or what advice would you offer to somebody in terms of making changes to their wills? How often, when, what events? Look, it's a good question, but it's probably, it really depends. I mean, and, and that probably um, leads away from the importance of having a will and in that once you've got a will, it's important that it's up to date um, and, and reflects your situation because I suppose a lot of people don't realise that there's certain things that actually make a will um, void. So, for example, marriage. As soon as you be, as soon as you get married, um, a, a will is null and void. So that's probably one thing that people aren't aware of. Um, on the flip side, divorce actually doesn't void a will. So there's certain trigger events in your life that you'd need to redraft your will. One of those is probably marriage, divorce, um, you know, death of executor, uh, beneficiaries. Um, as your family grows, you may want to include additional beneficiaries or or uh, remove beneficiaries. So I think it is important that once you do have a will that it does have review. Look, there's probably no set timeline, but um, th those major trigger events through your life are probably um, stages when you want to have that review. But it may even be just something that you review on at least an annual basis. And I know that we do that as part, part of the review process with our clients. It's just sort of ask questions around um, their situation, what's changed, are these people still relevant, whether it's the executor or beneficiaries, um, just different prompters, prompters to make sure that the will that you've got in place is still appropriate. That, that's right. Look, de definitely some, some good points you made there in terms of when to update your will. And I think, yeah, it's, you're right. It's not a, I guess there's no set formula in terms of how often you need to do it, but I think you definitely highlighted a couple of um, important things to think about such as you know children birth of children death um you know change of relationship change of circumstances really um yeah it, l l hopefully everybody oh, a lot of people that have a will will um have a relationship with a um an estate planning lawyer and um that's a, definitely a discussion that they they can have with their with their lawyer and look just just on that nathan with with, with discussions with lawyers i mean we, we've sort of gone through some i suppose very simplistic terms with wills at the moment, but just a couple of other things that I would encourage our listeners to talk to their solicitors about when they are going through the process of um, drafting their wills. And one thing is uh, a testament to trust. It's probably a term that people have heard before and perhaps don't understand too much. Um, but essentially a testament to trust um, is a trust that's created um, 
according to your will, basically upon your death. Now, one of the advantages of a testamentary trust, in particular if you've got young children, um, is it can, it can actually provide some tax effectiveness because children or minor children are, are taxed at penalty rates, whereas any distributions from an estate which are via a testamentary trust can mean that um, those distributions are taxed at adult rates. So they do provide um, a number of tax benefits. Um, there's also some asset protection that a testamentary trust can provide um, in the event that perhaps one of your children has business or is going through a divorce. There's different situations where you might want to look at a testamentary trust. And this is by no means something that we would um, be highly knowledgeable about, but I think if anything, um, a big part of our role is just um, you know, asking the right questions and having our clients go to the appointments with an estate planning specialist just with a little bit of knowledge so they can ask um, questions and get a further discussion about them. So, well, testament trust is definitely something that I would encourage people to talk to their um, solicitors about. And I suppose just one other thing when we're looking at children is, is obviously guardians and things like that. So this, there's a few things I suppose that people need to consider um, and prepare before they um, chat with a solicitor about, about their wills. Sure, so Glenn, just um, linking back or tying back to the, uh, the, the will. So um, many people think about their assets automatically going to their estate. So I just wanted to have a quick chat about uh, the concept that not, all, that not all assets are estate assets. Some are what we call the non-estate assets. Um, so just a, I think a good example to highlight this is if you've got a, um, a bank account in your, in, your, in your individual name, that'll be an estate asset. So you know, let's say somebody has a bank account, they die, well, that'll, that'll form part of their estate. But if you have a, uh, for example, a, a joint account with your spouse um, and you pass away, that's not an estate asset. That will pass to the survivor um, because it's a jointly owned asset. So think of a, you know, a bank account, a, a family home, um, any asset that's owned jointly. Um, so another common one that people often, um, I guess, trip over with, is uh, superannuation. Um, once again, they uh, I guess they automatically think it's an estate asset, but uh, once again, it's a non-estate asset. So uh, it won't automatically go to your estate upon death. Um, and that's where um, the binding death benefit nominations, uh, I guess, become quite important. Um, and you know, just to, I guess, explain, explain what that is, um, a binding death benefit nomination uh, is quite simple. It's a form that you complete. So whether you're in a, in a self-managed superannuation fund or an industry fund or a retail fund, uh, you complete a form and you have to uh, select a, a beneficiary. Um, and you know, in, that could either be your estate, so you can, or your legal personal representative. So you can direct all of your superannuation to go into your estate. So, um, and then it'll be distributed in accordance with the uh, the wishes of your will. Or you can nominate an individual or certain individuals um to i guess bypass your estate so yeah just uh, uh any any other points to add there on uh, non-estate assets glenn yeah i think the one th another thing that a lot of people trip over is assets that are held in trusts um or in companies um, and, and I, I suppose i've had situations where clients have been very surprised that they actually don't have anything that forms part of their estate because they might have assets in superannuation um they may have assets in a in a family trust and also within a company and, and none of those three entities will automatically form part of your estate. So that's why it is important to sit down and really, I suppose, list all your assets and, and, and more importantly, list the ownership of each of those assets because you, you could go away and write a will, um, but what you might find or what 
worse still your beneficiaries might find is that there's actually nothing in your estate because you've got assets held in, in, in non-estate entities. Um, so it's definitely something important to, to consider. That, that's right. And, and in one, yeah, another one is insurance. If it's, uh, if it's just, or, uh, the, the policy um, beneficiary is somebody specified directly, it can, that's another one where it can, it can go outside your estate as well. So yeah, just some uh, important things to be aware of there. Uh, Glenn, are you, did you want to maybe talk through the, the uh, power of attorneys? Yeah, before I do that, the one final yep. thing I was going to say, just with with wills, just another thing I suppose to consider before you meet with a solicitor is just any bequests. Like there might be, you know, um, important pieces of jewellery or artwork or whatever it may be, just specific gifts that you that you want to have um, distributed to specific beneficiaries. So so they're just bequests. So maybe just make a list of all those sorts of items and, and to whom you want that asset paid to is probably another, another good idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, moving on from, from the will, which, which is, I suppose, what's used by your beneficiaries and the executor when you pass away, as important is also a power of attorney. Um, and, and a power of attorney is obviously extremely important while you're still alive. Um, and in particular, when you lose mental capacity. So it's important to have in place an enduring power of attorney so that decisions can be made on your behalf when you don't have the capacity to do so. So, and, and the reason enduring so important is because it does um, endure mental capacity. So effectively you can have a, a general power of attorney, but as soon as you lose mental capacity, um, the power of attorney can no longer act uh, on your behalf. So that's why an enduring power of attorney is important. Um, and I suppose the two main ones there is a medical um, and financial enduring power of attorney. Um, and I suppose another one that's important to consider in particular for the, for the elderly um, is an enduring guardian. Um, and, and they can make decisions with regards to your health and welfare, um, which, could, which could include deciding where you live and so forth. So they're, they're probably the three main powers of attorney um, that are really important in particular or well, for any age. But um, as you get older, obviously the risk of losing mental capacity increases significantly. So you just need to make sure that you've got people who can make those decisions on your behalf so that you, you know, you, you can get taken care of. Sure. Um, Glenn, one of the important, uh, we've mentioned this many times on, on these podcasts and I suppose once again, you know, we'll mention it where you know, our role as a financial planner isn't necessarily to, or it isn't to provide estate planning advice, but it's to ensure that the client has um, things like this in place, you know, wills, power of attorneys, maybe testamentary trusts and, and um, you know, have, have relationships with a, with a estate planning lawyer. Uh, I mean, the other important aspect here is, is taxation where um, making, you know, making the right decisions um, when thinking about your estate plan can, can have taxation implications. And, you know, one example that, uh, that just comes to mind is around the superannuation piece where, um, you know, superannuation, um, we've spoken about before, has a, has a tax-free and a taxable component. Um, and then when, when passed on to um, beneficiaries, um, superannuation beneficiaries, um, you won't pay any tax at all, even on the taxable component. But if it goes to a, um, a, a non-super beneficiary, such as an adult child, for example, there can be, uh, or there is tax of 17% on the taxable component. So, you know, just, just things like that to be aware of that, you know, these estate planning decisions, uh, you know, do impact taxation as well. Um, I suppose, yeah, not, 
not necessarily just superannuation, but um, I guess you know tax could come into it from any uh, any asset as well. So yeah, probably just another important reminder, Glenn, to to work with that team of professionals. Yeah, definitely, and, and that that's where the earlier you start planning, the better off you can be, because there are strategies that you can put in place that can minimise the tax that's paid out of a superannuation death benefit. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose the earlier you start, the better off you are. I suppose just from a, another tax perspective. Um, capital gains tax implications where you know if, if you've owned an asset for an extended period of time when you pass away your beneficiaries will inherit that cost base so look, there's a lot of tax implications that need to be taken into account but with the right planning they, they can be minimized and dealt with um, so you know as, as we would always suggest the, the sooner you start the better off you, you'll be or your beneficiaries will be all right, Glenn. Well, um, look, I think we've, we've kind of covered the, the key points that we wanted to, to touch on today. So any final, final points from you or happy to, happy to wrap it up there? No, I'm pretty happy to wrap it up. I, I just think it's one of those things that people just have to get done. It's, it's never, as I said at the beginning, it's never something that's, that comes with a lot of pleasure or, or excitement, but it's one of those things that once you've done, hopefully you don't need to change it too much, but does need review. So look, just make a time to meet with the estate planning lawyer and, and, and just, just get it sorted out. Yeah, definitely, Glenn. It's a very important point. And, you know, just to, to wrap up, um, uh, state planning deals with, uh, the, I guess, the, the succession of your assets in, on death and who, who you want to distribute them to. Um, you know, very important because you've, you've, you've probably worked very hard your life to build these assets. So you want to make sure they, they go to the right person. Um, and then we spoke about, you know, the, the importance of a will, what it is, um, other things such as uh, the, the power of attorneys, which talks about, um, giving powers to people while you're still alive, and then some other concept, concepts such as uh, testamentary trusts. Um, so thanks again for joining us on the Money Mentors podcast, and we look forward to having you again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors' website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.